never thought time travel would be possible and I'm still very skeptical. However, today I'm going to talk to myself in the past and you know if ever that managed to find its way back to me in 2019 of October 2019 should I say. Um I think this stuff would be very useful. So um and also but for me in general it's going to be a fun little thing to think about what I would say to myself in the past. And then you never know if any if you are planning to start EFL teaching in the future. I hope this still can also be useful for you as and uh you know take what you want from it. If you haven't listened to my podcast that I made last week which was about um the TEFL industry I'd give that a listen because a lot of this will give you a, a broader understanding of the subject before um we get into the nitty-gritty of how you as a person could fit into it like how you could succeed in it on a personal level. It's worth pointing out that a lot of this I'm going to literally talk to myself in the past so uh when I first started TEFL teaching I was teaching in Korea I taught in public schools so a lot of this is going to be aimed at me and advice I would give to me specifically if when it, if I was to start teaching in public schools all over again with no experience. But a lot of this will also be, as time as we move forward in the podcast as well, a lot of it could be used in any, for any new TEFL teacher and also it starts to become advice that could be applied in all contexts anyway because nowadays I don't teach at public school so, you know, the things I've had to learn have broadened and, you know, my experience has kind of widened at this stage. I'm going to break down this podcast into four parts. The first part is what I would say to myself uh, in terms of what advice I would give for my mental state, like what what I should mentally be thinking about teaching. The second would be about more practical advice. So, and then the third part will be about um, after I got the basics down, what advice would I give to myself then if I could go back? And the final part is what I'm doing now, what I'm planning to do now to improve as a teacher and move forward in that regard. So, you know, this is going to be a journey of a podcast, hopefully. And, you know, by the end, you can have a better understanding of my journey so far as a teacher. So cracking on with the mental state of teaching, this is more of a philosophical one. How should you think about teaching? How should you think of the way you are as a teacher, where you want to go as a teacher, how you want to influence your students, all these different things. It's more broad rather than thinking specifically about how you're going to achieve it, just what you want to do. So the first thing I would say to myself if I was starting teaching again is, you're going to be bad. You know, when you f- your first day of teaching, of course, you're no, going to be no way near you are as a teacher, even in a month's time, and then especially in a year's time, two years, three years, you're going to be miles better. And it doesn't mean that you can't do good things in the classroom, but of course, when you start teaching for the first time, it's going to be difficult and you're not going to be that good. And what you need to do is accept that. But not accept it and just say, right, I'm bad, that's it. No, to say, okay, I'm not good at the moment, but I'm going to work hard to improve and I'm going to work hard every day to get better and better as a teacher. And that self-awareness that you're not where you want to be, but you want to get there will help you. It will make you a better teacher over time. And when people give you advice, that means you're ready to take it, listen, and then apply it, which is really important. You know, I remember a teacher, a co-teacher of mine one day sitting me down and giving me loads of advice. At the time, it was overwhelming. But within a month or two, all that stuff became second nature. And then I thought, wow, I'm a great teacher now. But now I look back again in, you know, almost four years later. And obviously, I know that I, even then I had a long way to go. But, you know, that's the nature of improvement. But by having that self-awareness and acceptance that you're not going to be great at the beginning, but that's okay because you're going to improve over time because you're going to work hard to do it, means a lot, you know. And moving forward, I mean, when you are teaching, 
it's important to think about things from your students' perspective. This is about your students fundamentally. So when you're making lesson plans, when you're teaching in the classroom, you need to think about your actual students who are in front of you, not what they should be, not what the textbook says they should be studying, but where they actually are as human beings in that moment. And I don't just mean even just in terms of their English performance academically, but emotionally, you know, are they tired? Are they, you know, where are they? And, and you know, you need to think about that when you're applying your lessons and how you want to approach the class. Um, you know, and but to give a more specific example, let's say a student is supposed to learn that day. The book is on the table. But in reality, they don't know on in under. Imagine that. Imagine they're that level. They don't know on in under. Or they don't know it very well. You couldn't, they couldn't just say it off the top of their head easily. You know, are those students ready to be learning the book is on the table? No, because first they need to learn on and under. And that's the nature of teaching to an extent is taking the textbook, seeing what it says, and then checking where your students actually are so you can help them over time potentially get to where they need to be on the textbook. But at the same time, you have to just acknowledge where your students are and actually help them as people and not just ignore where they are as people because it's easier to just pretend that they're at a different level because that's where the world says they should be. The thing that's really important to me as well um, is, you know, be a positive influence on the whole school. What do I mean by that? You know, I used to have uh, book clubs with my co-teachers. Um, I used to play football with my um, students. You know, I used to talk to them in lunchtime, break time. I used to have a book club with um, my students as well. Actually, I don't know if I just mentioned that, but you know, I had all these different clubs and activities I'd do with students outside of class. And why? Because I wanted to be a positive influence. I wanted my students to enjoy being with me, everybody to feel comfortable around me because I knew that many people felt uncomfortable by nature being around a foreigner. So I wanted them to start to feel better and happy to see me. So then they'll start speaking English more. They'll start behaving better in class. The results were huge by taking that mentality of I want to be the best force I possibly can in school. It makes a huge difference. And thinking about how you can better help the school as a whole, think of yourself as part of a school and how you can help that school, it, it is so important. And I think a really important part of how you will help the school as a whole is by being yourself. And what do I mean by that? You know, so I'm going to speak about career specifically here. You know, the most important, it's very important to be respectful in school. You know, make sure everyone knows that you respect them. They don't just feel respected. They know that you respect them. And a very key way of doing that is learning the language, things like that. And, but let's look at bowing. So if people want you to bow and they'll feel disrespected if you don't, do it. I'm not saying don't. But usually, Koreans do not expect you to bow. You are not Korean. They're not waiting for you to bow. They know that that's not going to happen. And what's important to remember is they haven't hired you from another country to come there and bow. They've come, they've brought you from another country to be you. They've brought a foreigner in from another country for you to be your own culture, to be yourself. So be it, be yourself, be respectful and then be what you are. And that by doing that, people will start to, the students have an opportunity to experience a different culture, which I think is huge. And it allows them to see things from a different perspective because you're being yourself. In other words, being your true respectful self is the best version of yourself. 
sounds very corny, but it's true. And bringing that to the school is what's going to bring the best results because people will feel that authenticity. Final thing I want to say about the mental state you should approach teaching with is you're going to hear a lot of voices. You know, you're going to hear your inner voice sometimes saying about imposter syndrome potentially, but then you're going to hear a lot of people surrounding you who are going to give you negative uh, ideas about, oh, you know, you don't need to try or teaching's easy or, you know, I just, some people will say that they just get drunk all the time the night before and they come in hungover and nothing happens. And you're going to see people who've had been teaching for years in TEFL and been very irresponsible and continued to be employed. And a lot of people are going to see those people and think, right, I'll do the same thing. And what I would say is, is that I don't believe that you should do that. You need to focus on yourself. You know, when you're thinking about yourself as a teacher, focus on yourself and how you can improve as a teacher for the betterment of your students. You know, do not think about it as, oh, well, everyone else is being a bad teacher or being reckless or not doing what's right. So therefore, I can convince myself that I can do those things too and it's totally fine. When in reality, it's not fine. You need to do what's right by your students because that's what they deserve and that's what you should do. And this is a more of a life thing as well. Like there's right and wrong. And just because everyone else is doing something wrong doesn't mean that you have to do it. And it's important to listen to your own moral judgment and your own compass, your moral compass and decide what's right and wrong for yourself and not just follow the crowd. Now, I'm going to move on to more practical advice I'd give myself if I could go back in time. And the first thing I'd say is make classes student-centered. And what I mean by that is make sure your activities are very much, you know, putting the students at the heart of it. You know, they are the ones moving the class forward by speaking English, producing English. And remember that the whole point of teaching is to get them to produce English. The best way to do that is to make classes fun, make the activities fun. And usually you can do that by like, you know, engaging their competitive nature, stuff like that, especially in Korea. Like, you know, they are quite shy a lot of the time to talk. And, you know, making competitive games where they had to talk to each other or getting them to stand up basic things make a huge difference to the way that um, your students can improve and produce English. And the thing is, as well, the more you're talking, the less they're talking. So, you know, get them up, get them talking, get them playing games that are competitive. And, you know, obviously teach as well. Make sure they understand the grammar point or whatever, but or the vocabulary. But make sure, you know, classes are fun and engaging and then... Your students are, and that your students are at the heart of it. The next thing is, and this is something that just takes a while to get used to, is grading your language. And that just means speaking in a way that benefits your students. So, for example, um, when I'm speaking now, I'm speaking normally at a normal pace. When I'm speaking to a 13-year-old who's learning English at an intermediate level, I speak like this and I talk to them in a clear voice where each word is very easily understandable and I pronunciate it clearly. When I'm speaking to a four-year-old whose English is extremely basic, they know a few hundred words at best, I, when I want them to make a circle, I don't say, okay guys, let's make a circle. No, I say circle and I uh, physically show them that I'm trying to make a circle with my arms and my hands and body language, which is another huge point. Actually, you know, body language is so important. So speak with English and in English, with English, that is best for where your students are. You know, match your English with for your students. Help them understand you. Don't just think that the only way to speak English is fast. And that, again, that's something that every 
TEFL teacher will learn very quickly that they need to speak clearly so that their students can understand them. When you first start teaching, it's really difficult as well to like figure out how am I going to get my students to understand this activity? And the best way to do it is to model it, which means to show it. Just show, just do the activity. Literally just show them multiple times you doing the activity that you want them to do. And then they'll realize, oh, okay, I understand how to do that activity. So that's just a basic thing. Like when you want them to do like a rock, paper, scissors game where whoever wins asks a question and the loser has to answer, for example, just play the game three or four times in front of them in class and then they'll understand what to do themselves. And that actually leads quite nicely, you know, learn to stage your classes. And, you know, you do kind of learn about, you do learn about staging actually in your TESOL course. PPP is the most basic form of staging that everybody should know. Um, but, you know, there's other ways to stage your classes as well. And uh, as I'm going to get on to the next part, you know, always push yourself in that regard. Think of new ways how you can try and make your students uh, benefit from the way that you set up your classes and stage your classes. Scaffolding too is really important. So scaffolding just means it actually kind of touched on it before, which is like, again, using the same analogy, um, the book is on the table. You know, if they don't know the word book, you need to teach them the word book. If they don't know the word on, you need to teach them the word on. And then slowly build up towards the sentence, the book is on the table. Don't just teach them straight away the book is on the table when they don't know book and they don't know on. You know, you have to work up to it, you know, and that scaffolding just building them up to that point. Last thing, and this one's massive. This is like huge. I, I keep on leaving big points to the end. And this is just a bit more of a basic one. If you get rid of all the philosophical, it's not even philosophical, but a lot of the other stuff is steal other people's materials. You know, it obviously if they allow you to don't like, you know, hack into the computers. But I mean, if people put stuff online, check, get in the habit of checking what other people have made on these topics that you're about to teach. Because people make amazing things, and I'm not a proud person. If someone's made something better, like a better PowerPoint than I can, I'm going to take that PowerPoint, adapt it to for what I my students need, and then use that. Because you know, by using what other people make, you know, you're improving as a teacher. You're getting better and better. And you're sometimes people have great ideas. You don't have to be on your own to be a good teacher. You can use other people's materials. So do it, and it's your students who will win. And that's obviously the most important thing right so you've got the basics down and now it's moving on to the third part what should you do i do next okay so i've got the basics down what was the next advice i'd give myself at this stage maybe after six months to a year of teaching the first thing is clear like, and it's kind of obvious like just because you've become passable or even a good teacher doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to to try and get in better you know you should always try and improve and if you do that's the best thing you can do and you know you can be proud of where you're moving as a person and as a teacher professionally and actually at the impact you're going to make on your students which is yeah like I keep on saying like that's it you know it's your students who win what did I do to improve and what advice would I reiterate to myself I guess Uh, the first thing I'd say is you know I think it's really important to become very conscious about why you're doing certain activities in class what is your aim you know it's just easy to think of it as like um you know i'm just gonna do this activity because it just fills five minutes that's not a great way of doing things at all um what you need to do is think okay do i want to make my students curious about a certain topic that i'm about to introduce them to do i want to create a very controlled activity where we're going to practice a certain grammar point and i want to make sure that they keep on saying it perfectly or do I want to do an activity that is more free 
um, and open and then I can check how my students are doing um, just more freely saying these grammar points or if there's any mistakes that keep on cropping up with certain students um, and then I can help correct them and I can test to see where they're at actually or do I want to do a more free activity because I want to give the students a chance to speak more fluently and with less be with less accuracy but with more fluency which is important too the point there is just whatever the reason is I just need to make sure that I'm always clear about why I'm doing that with myself because that's how I'm going to move towards a good strong lesson plan that's going to help you know my students and make sure that they're moving in a certain direction that just makes sense and actually I did just touch on it then but if you can make your students curious about a topic that is always the best way I mean you know if they become really curious about something you know that it's like inquiry-based learning stuff like that potentially but also just in general like you know it, it will naturally make them more engaged and then when you start introducing them to words they're just more likely to you know remember those words because they're so curious about it and the last thing I'll say this is a bit more of a shorter one really is you know read the room you know <laughs> there's no I'm trying to think of an easier way to say that that is the easiest way read the room you know if a lesson plan isn't going well for whatever reason or your students are tired or you know um, they're struggling with something that you thought would be easier for them to understand you have to read it and then you have to you know with your experience you've built up at this point adjust what your lesson plan is adjust what your next activity is going to be you know and make your lessons fit what your students need in that moment and sometimes you know it can be frustrating because you've made a lesson plan and maybe you spent a while on that lesson plan but if you just stubbornly continue with a lesson plan that isn't working, everyone loses. But if you have the flexibility in yourself to read the room and go, you know what, this is too difficult or this is too easy or my students are too tired for this activity or maybe I need to wake my students up because they're really tired. So them sitting down doing pair work, they're just being lazy and not doing it because they're tired. I need to get them up on their feet. You know, having that flexibility, reading the room will make a huge difference. Moving on to the fourth part of the podcast, um, this is stuff that I want to do today to continue to, you know, improve as a teacher. Um, an example of this is I actually attended uh, a workshop recently, and the senior teacher at my uh, uh, English centre uh, was talking about moving from c- controlled activities to more open activities. And this is something that I think I've somewhat done in the past, but. I'm trying to more consciously do it now with uh, particularly teens classes and I'm trying to you know uh, yeah just more consciously apply those sort of things to class so for example uh, at the beginning of class I make very clear grammar structures about what they should follow when I'm asking them questions and you know we kind of work through it together to ensure accuracy and then as uh, time goes on I create more and more free flowing activities like um, revolving around like for example making a debate about a certain subject and that's going to focus more on uh accuracy uh, not accuracy <laughs> uh fluency <laughs> sorry uh we've spoken a lot about this podcast so you know <laughs> this is stuff i need to improve on apparently so you know um there's an example um and yeah so i'm just thinking about more of that more along those lines i'm always also trying to find new ways of staging my classes so for example um i've been trying this new thing called well, I haven't actually tried it yet. I've been making a lesson plan that I'm planning to do uh, next week. And it's co- it's basically following test, teach, test. So what you do is you test your students with an open activity. Um, and then you will teach them based on uh, how they do in the first 
open activity of like, so for example if i was doing i like and then uh something like food like i like food but they kept saying like food and they weren't saying i i know then when i teach them whatever i do in that teaching period i'm going to make sure that they get to a point where they're saying i like food obviously that's like a really ridiculous one but just to basically understand the point and then at the end i'm going to do another test where i'm going to do another open and free activity and i'm going to check to see if that's if they've if they are now saying that correctly but i do just want to say as well like maybe to give myself a pat on the back you know when i first started in vietnam i was very nervous about teaching uh, preschool students or kindergarten students for anybody who somehow doesn't know what that means <laughs> um and now i feel really confident and yeah like you know that's something like when I realized that I was nervous around preschool kids I just pushed myself and now I do like 15 hours a week of teaching in preschool and that was intentional so then I can become confident and I can gain more experience and that's something I say as well whenever I feel nervous about something whenever something makes me uncomfortable in teaching my reaction is to say okay I'm going to give myself a lot of exposure to that thing so then I can become confident and move on you know, when I first started in Vietnam as well, like I was using textbooks all the time and I didn't have experience with textbooks, but you know, I kept on doing it and now I feel confident teaching with a textbook. I know how to get the most out of a textbook for my students. So even if it's a textbook that isn't necessarily matching where my students are, I know how to best work around that to get my students to where they need to be. And that's because I kept on practicing and kept on trying to get better and reflecting. So that's what I'm going to continue to do in all aspects. Uh, the two things I've just mentioned about going from control to open activities and uh, how I find new ways of staging my lessons. You know, that's just examples. But in general, I'm going to continue to do uh, whatever I can to keep on getting better moving forward. There's so much I haven't spoken about in this podcast, you know, uh, classroom management. Um, you know, <laughs> that's a huge one in itself. I mean, you know, how to control a class. That's, you know, and, you know, there's a million other things I could talk about on top of that. So, you know, I'm sure there's going to be another podcast about this in the future. Maybe I'll give an update on how I've been improving as a teacher at the end of a year or something. But, you know, there's a million ways to go about it. And there's things that other teachers will talk about that they think are important too. So, you know, I've spoken a lot about the things that I think are important, you know. Um, I believe, you know, basically my, my main thing is, though, you know, be a positive influence on schools. Do your best. Continue to try and improve all the time. And you will, and that's it. And that's something I would definitely have said to myself if I could have done, yeah, if I could go back and talk to myself in the past, I mean. <laughs> um, so anyway, guys, I hope you really enjoyed this uh, podcast. And, um, you know, I enjoyed making it. It was fun to think about. I'd like to think that, you know, I build a lot of rapport with my students, things like that. Um, you know, I haven't spoken about that really either. So, you know, I guess that's something that's always been a bit more natural to me to, like, build rapport with students and like, have a laugh and stuff. So... Maybe that's why I didn't feel the need to bring that up to give myself, myself advice. <laughs> um, but either way, yeah. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, uh, have a nice day. And uh, yeah, and hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. I hope it was useful if you are starting TEFL. And if you are starting TEFL, don't hesitate to message me if you have any questions. And if I can answer, I will help. If not, um, I'll try and find someone who can. Subscribe to www.richardmcgrain.com and you'll get a weekly email sent straight to your inbox uh this podcast because there's two podcasts this week there will be an email sent to anybody subscribed that will not be on my website it will only be for email uh subscribers and additionally i'm actually planning to start making occasional 
email-only content. So people who subscribe to my website will get exclusive content. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, please subscribe on www.richmagrain.com. And I promise there will only ever be one email a week. So get going on it.